0: dis life podcast is brought to you by pinch of pixie dust travel people who love disney understand that life isn't about the breaths you take it's about the moments that take your breath away that's why we help coordinate the most magical adventures for you and your family disney universal sandals norwegian carnival and more we are a full-service concierge travel agency that will help with every aspect of your journey let us take care of the details while you enjoy your family Get a quote today by calling us at 570-832-7798 or fill out a trip request form at pinchapixiedusttravel.com. Just follow the second start of the right straight on to your adventure. That's pinchapixiedusttravel.com where you're making memories one trip at a time. doors, por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Stop walking while I'm squawking. Caramba, we have something really big for you today. And now, the, the show that has the whole town cooking.
1: Welcome, foolish mortals.
0: Alrighty, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times.
1: Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, cause this here's a wildest
0: ride in the wilderness. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Disney Life Podcast. My name is Mark Valentine. I'm the host of Disney Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining our show and for making our network part of your Disney lives. On today's show, I'm being joined by the one and only Brian Lee of Nerd Life Network. Brian is our master of all things Hollywood. And so I said, let's sit down and let's talk about this amazing animated film on Disney Plus that just dropped on May 20th. And that film is Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Brian, welcome back to the Tiki Room Studio. How have you been?
1: I have been great, Mark. I love this movie. I'm very excited you asked me to come on.
0: I knew you were. And uh, when you and I were texting back and forth and you told me what you thought of the film, I said, well, we absolutely have to do a review on it and talk about it. It is a millennial dream come true. So As a firm millennial, you had to be in absolute heaven. I'm a zennial, so I'm like that weird one in two years where I'm like not quite a Gen Xer. I'm not quite a millennial, but I, too, was in heaven. Having grown up with the Disney afternoon, this was right in my wheelhouse. And I said, we've got to talk about this film. I did not anticipate in doing a review or even talking about this film. And then I liked it so much that I said, we absolutely have to talk about it. But let this be a warning that if you have not yet uh, viewed this film, if you haven't seen it on Disney Plus, it's free. It's available on Disney Plus. You can watch this at no cost as long as you have a Disney Plus subscription. But if you don't want the film to be spoiled, uh, then obviously hit the pause button on us, go and check this out, and then come back and uh, chill out with us as we talk about this amazing film and have a chance to live out your nostalgia and enjoy talking about all of these amazing Easter eggs that uh, that were in the film. And there were many.
1: So many. Like 300-plus cameos is what people are saying, and that sounds
0: accurate. I would say that 300 sounds like a lot, but then when you see the movie, you think to yourself, man, there, there's got to be more than that. I mean, yeah. I felt like every single minute of this film, there was a new Easter egg or a new cameo to the point of where like claps and kudos to like their legal team for being able to pull in all of these cameos. And they're not just Disney cameos. They're from tons of studios and decades of like film and television references. I was like, how did they pull that off?
1: Yeah. I, I think that's the thing is like, I almost would have expected kind of a Ralph breaks the internet, like, Oh my Disney website level of cameos where they could do anything they wanted from their own IP. Yeah. But like one of the main heroes of the story. And again, Mark has said it spoiler alert, spoiler alert. You have five seconds before I, before I say who one of the main heroes is, is ugly Sonic from (laughs) the original (laughs) Sonic, the hedgehog trailer, like good for (laughs) Paramount for playing ball.
0: Yeah.
1: Apparently a lot of people got spoiled on ugly Sonic. I did not. I so didn't know. He showed up on screen. Like I legit paused the movie. I was laughing so hard. I <laughs> couldn't contain myself.
0: And then he comes back later in the movie. He's like a hero. <laughs> I just love how they can't focus on anything except his teeth. And his teeth are the gag throughout the movie. But uh later on in this episode, Brian and I are going to have to we're gonna buckle down and we're gonna offer our rushmore of our favorite cameos. There are so many, it was so creative. Uh, but before we get into this episode, don't forget, you can catch our episodes at com. While you're there, smash the subscribe button on Apple. Leave us a rating or review on Apple or Podchaser or Spotify. And then you can find me on Instagram at dislifepodcast. over on TikTok at Dislife mark, And then join our Facebook group, Living My Best Disney Life. Dude, Um, so let's get into, I guess, before we really talk about some of the things that we loved in the film and just the the various elements of the film itself, so Chippendale Rescue Ranger is- wait, wait 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 before we get into it, Mark, sure, you are on your people are
1: hearing this episode, yes, and you are on a flight or already there in Anaheim, California. Let's get a little Disney parks talk in first. You are going <laughs> okay. to Disneyland for the first time in your entire life. Are you containing your excitement?
0: uh, I can't think about anything except that at this point, so we will uh we will be in the in the air when this episode is running, uh, we will be flying to Disneyland in California for our first time. I've said this now a few times over. Um, I had way too much anxiety. I never used to like to fly in my life. So if there was going to be somewhere that I flew, it, it, it had to be earth shattering. And as crazy as this sounds, Disneyland was not on that list. Like I went to Rome I went to Paris. That was the only level of flying that would happen in my life. Bucket list items. I don't know why Disneyland never made that list. Uh, I've conquered those anxieties and I've, I've smashed those fears. I am a different person now. So uh, Disneyland has been on our radar for quite some time, but obviously with pandemic, we didn't want to go back until world of color was there. Plus as an added bonus, we get the main street electrical parade, So we are so excited to go and walk where Walt Disney once did and to go to Walt's park. And I I know that everyone tells me how much I'm going to love California adventure, but I will get very emotional looking at the firehouse and Walt's apartment. Uh, I know that a lot of people tell me not to put a lot of stock in uh, the, the castle but it's the original castle, man. I mean, Very dinky. yeah. How do you not get caught up seeing the original Tiki room? I mean, I can't focus on anything else at this point. It's just uh Disneyland and I will have a full trip report next week. We'll have a full trip report of me talking about my experience to the Disney hearth and the home of all things. Walt Disney.
1: I, as I'm, I'm partial to Disneyland over Disney world. I've said that many, many times. If you need somebody to be able to conduct an interview on your trip, please, please let me know.
0: So I don't know how I missed this, but like star Wars celebration is the same weekend. Not that, not that it would have mattered because I would have been in parks anyway, but
1: it's what bums me out more that I had to cancel going to star Wars celebration. I really wish I was still going that I had to refund my tickets.
0: We could have I could have actually have seen you out in Disneyland as well, because this is the same exact weekend. I didn't intend on going in May, but we wound up moving our trip up and I just was very uh, like it was an odd fact. I'm like, wait a minute. I would have been there the same weekend as Brian if that had played out that way. You know, we're, we're really excited about this. Everyone keeps asking me if I'm going to live stream and if we're going to do TikTok And if we're going to do lives and I said, look, it's my first trip. My family and I just want to really take it all in. Uh, We want to make a lot of memories. The next few trips that we take out to Disneyland. I mean, I'll, I'll be more conscious of my content creation, but this time around, man, I just, there's something to be said about seeing something with your own eyes and not look through a viewfinder. I don't want to look through a lens. I want to experience the raw emotion of these rides for myself the first time alone. Best choice. But I mean there's stuff that's out there that I've been dying to ride. Like I I'm gonna get like really emotional over uh Snow White. I know it's not scary adventures anymore, but I haven't ridden Snow White in decades. I haven't ridden uh Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in decades. Like everyone keeps saying it's gonna give me a bacchiotomy, but I don't care. I I need to ride the Matterhorn. I just wanna do those Disney classics. Um
1: Matterhorn's like you're used to our Space Mountain, and yeah. I understand that that's pretty rough, but Matterhorn's no worse than that.
0: If it's no worse than that, I'll be fine. I same I, cars, I think, even. I think yeah, they're the exact same cars, but like the classics, man. I uh, Pirates is going to be down, it's still under refurbishment. We're not going to get a chance to do the submarines, the voyage, uh, the voyage of those submarines. They're they are uh, currently being refurbished.
1: I uh, have a story about those submarines. It broke down when I was on it one time. Oh, we were no. stuck, We were in the submarine for 42 minutes. Was that I didn't anxiety inducing? I didn't it? Know it was claustrophobic, but you found that
0: Yeah, you found out right then.
1: <laughs> that was not good.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so that's down. Pirates is down. But I mean, we'll still get a lot of great classics. Small World will get in. Um, obviously, keep mis- an eye
1: on, on Small World. They have characters, Disney characters, as part of their Small World. It's, yes. it's so much like. Visually, optically, it's better than ours, but it's, I mean, just everything. There's so many things at Disneyland. Unfortunately the Roger rabbit ride is no longer there because we're going to talk a lot about Roger rabbit tonight.
0: So I would imagine that hyperspace mountain is still going to be in full effect. Uh, there was a changeover for May the 4th. And I would imagine with star Wars celebration being this week in Anaheim that they would keep it. So I'm going to get to do hyperspace mountain on space and Man, I'm I am here for that. Like, I'm excited for that. I can't wait. But I all I do right now is think about Disneyland. It's all I am doing in my life. I am so excited. I, I can't. My heart is going to like burst out my chest like alien, which we didn't get an alien cameo in this movie. And I don't. How did that not happen there? Everything else was in it. Everything. So, but yeah, so next week we'll talk about Disneyland, uh, right now, just, uh, to, you know, color, color me excited and I cannot wait. All right. So so let's get into, let's get into this film. Really cool. Really decent runtime. The movie is rated, uh, PG because there's just, there's a little bit of adult content in terms of it's more of innuendo and just appropriate adult humor, but I would never have a problem with showing this To my daughter, to me, it's very much like I I think of The Goonies in the same way. The Goonies is loaded with all kinds of adult humor that uh, unless you're watching it again as an adult, you never understand any of that humor whatsoever. It's not even as bad as The Goonies, in my opinion. Uh, But it runs one hour and 37 minutes. Really great runtime. The movie did not feel too long. It was the perfect length. Uh, Again, it is a Disney Plus exclusive release. Uh, The fans seem to be really into it. It looks like it's getting a 7.3 out of 10 over on IMDb and an 80% Rotten Tomatoes. They're not the end all be all, but usually they're a pretty decent barometer as far as how enjoyable is this movie going to be for the layman? And I would say that those are pretty accurate marks. We'll give them our own marks later on. Uh, But the film is directed by uh, Akiva Schaefer. He's one of the Lonely Island boys, uh, has a close relationship. With uh, Adam Sandberg, they Andy, are, Sandberg. Andy Sandberg. Thank you. They are uh, attached at the hip. They've done a lot of stuff together. So he came over to direct this film. Obviously, the movie is an adaptation of the Disney animated cartoon series that was part of the Disney afternoon from 1988. It ran for three seasons in a total of the 65 episodes. It was iconic back in the day. Uh, There are fans diehard devotees of Chippendale rescue Rangers has one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest theme songs of any animated show of all time. And so they said it, wait, what was the tagline of this? It's not a reboot.
1: It's not a reboot. It's a comeback.
0: It's a comeback. And that meta humor is going to filter into the movie as well. Uh, But the, the film it's set in the same world of the animated film Rescue Rangers, in that they are actors in Hollywood. Chippendale pursue their dreams as performers, and they get picked up in the television show. And it's filled with like meta humor, and it's very self-aware of what the cartoon was. So it picks up with a Chippendale trying to find their way in Tinsel Town. Three decades after their television show, Rescue Rangers had gotten canceled and a now divided duo of Chippendale are trying to solve the mysterious disappearance of their actor friend, Monterey Jack, who also has the same name in real life. And then along the way, they discover this sinister plot where their friends and their animated compatriots are being bootlegged and forced into performing in low budget remakes of American animated classics, I, I laugh at that because it's so ridiculous of a concept and it worked so, so well that the, the, basically the film is them trying to find Monterey Jack, s- solve the mystery behind the bootlegging animated crime ring. And along the way, we just have 900 million cameos and the millennial in all of us is jumping for joy.
1: While being chased by the Coca-Cola bear the entire time.
0: Good for him, by the way. I'm (laughs) like, uh, what a great turn. I love the fact that, um, I'm going to steal my thunder a little bit later on. I love the fact that the Coca-Cola bear broke bad and he, he turned villain. Amazing. So funny. So funny uh the cast itself and brian let's let's get into the cast itself first because to me what what i thought was really great about this film was the voice talent the vocal talent and the acting talent just as there were seemingly a million cameos it it looks like hollywood a-listers lined up to be a part of this project uh andy sandberg he has a way with him too i mean as an snl alum It seems like he has a really good rapport with actors and actresses in Hollywood. And whenever he does a film, you know, even if it's like hot rod, it just seems like people can't wait to be a part of a project with this guy. They love working with him. He seems to be really fun. But let's talk about Andy Samberg and uh, John Mulaney as Chip and Dale. You had expressed a little concern or you were a little cautious, not knowing if the two of them were going to work as vocal talent. What did you think of their portrayal of, of these iconic heroes?
1: Well, I love Andy Samberg after all. He's a Brooklyn nine, nine guy. We love Andy Samberg. I love hot rod. Like you brought it up. I I love, love, love that film. Um, I, I, you joined United. We fan to talk about Disney investor day, 2020. Yes. And that day we talked about our Mount Rushmore of announcements that came out of that entire thing. Mind you, there was things like Lightyear, Ahsoka, the Lando series, like all those things. And this film was on that announcement for me. I was super stoked about it. And then the trailer came out, and it just didn't have the the tone, for lack of a better term, that I necessarily expected. I, I didn't think... John Mulaney was going to sound like John Mulaney for some reason. I had in my head that it was going to be tweaked to sound more chipmunkish. Yeah, and it, just, and it just wasn't. And the fact that they had an in-story reason for why they sounded the way they sounded was brilliant to me. I thought it was absolutely hilarious.
0: So i I thought they were going to play this movie straight. So did I. I was. That's why I was nervous. I I really thought that this was going to be a reboot. That much like they did with DuckTales a few years back, that this is just the next phase of them rehashing the Disney afternoon, appealing to the nostalgia in all of us, and bringing back a beloved series again to kind of hook us back in.
1: And with DuckTales, it took a little time, but it worked. I just don't love the animation style they used. But with DuckTales, it actually worked.
0: I thought that this was just the next project that they were going to do this, and it wasn't this, this was really meta that they kind of spun this on its head. And so it, if you don't know this, or, you know, if you're listening to this and you're spoiling it for self, because you you don't really care to watch it, but they, they sound just like themselves. So he doesn't have a chipmunky voice. He sounds like Andy Samberg, John Mulaney sounds just like John Mulaney. I was a little nervous about that because I didn't know how it was going to work but in the tone of the film where they are actors playing themselves in a show called Rescue Rangers, it works. It was very meta in that they're performers and they're actors. So like hearing dude, hearing John Mulaney do chip as an insurance salesman, that was my having to pause the television
1: Cause Sean the sheep.
0: Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm an insurance salesman. So his pitch of like insurance was so funny to me where he's like, bad things are going to happen. And you basically, it's like, you better buy this insurance. And the girl's like, I'm going to take the whole package, <laughs> but like seeing Chip make the turn. As a once performer, like then I'm
1: trying to pull the wool from your eyes metaphorically.
0: <laughs> slinging insurance was so well done. Uh, these two just
1: they it was a missed opportunity for John Mullaney not to pull out the Peter Porker line of do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak him out.
0: Man, he was great. I mean, he was great as chip. He, uh, I I knew Andy Sandberg was gonna be able to to have a lot more free reign. Did, I mean deal the way that deal is as a character i knew that andy sandberg would be able to pull that off yeah he's zany he's all over the place my fear was the the usual straight man of chip how is john mulaney gonna do that and not be too snarky with the character or not be john mulaney as he is in other projects and kind of ruin chip for i think a lot of us fans who grew up with him under you know like our our thought of this is how chip should look and feel he did a really great job of retreading the character but doing it in a way i think he breathed new life into chip and he really made me i I mean like i've never connected with chip i've always liked chip more than i did dale but now i feel existentially connected to chip in a way (laughs) that i never have in my whole life so (laughs) from one insurance salesman to another chip (laughs) <laughs> let's pull the wool away from people's eyes. <laughs> so, um, so I, I thought the two of them were great, but let's get into again where this film excelled. Uh, Mulaney and Sandberg were great, but we had Seth Rogen as <laughs> Bob, the warrior Viking JK Simmons, man, put, put someone, please put JK Simmons in the voice actor hall of fame.
1: I love JK Simmons he, so much.
0: He plays captain putty is like a riff on Gumby, which was like amazing in and of itself.
1: Uh, Did you see how he took the fingerprint?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it like, it like kept up. And then he just like chopped part of his hand off. Just (laughs) that's so funny, man.
0: And then later on when they're in the fight, his face gets pushed up against like the cork board against the bulletin board. And like it imprints on his his face. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, that's like silly putty. Remember that stuff? (laughs) So, I mean, J.K. Simmons is such a great actor. I mean, uh, what's the Amazon series that he was in where he plays the superhero? Invincible. That was another acting performance, another great voice acting performance. But dude, he could just speaking of an insurance salesman like he is farmers that I mean, that guy can sell me on anything. Uh, he was really great as Captain Putty. I want to come back to Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen was a lot more than Bob the Warrior Viking, but he was great. Uh, Tress McNeil, who is a Disney legend, uh, she's been voicing characters for the last three decades on animated series. I mean, you you name it, and Tress McNeil has done it. She was the voice of Gadget. Uh, she also provided a, uh, some of the voice work, the high-pitched voice work for Dale in this movie. Uh, Will Arnett was in it as sweet Pete. Eric Banna of all Eric Banna was Monterey Jack. I I was like, who is was Monterey Jack? He was great. And it's Eric Banna. They pulled Eric Banna out,
1: uh, which did surprise me though. Cause Jim Cummings is the original voice of, of Monterey Jack and Jim's com- Jim Cummings was 90% of this film, not 90%, but he was in this film
0: a lot. Yeah. So they pulled in Jim Cummings. He reprised his role as fat cat, uh, he was pooh, he was uh Pete, he was Darkwing Duck. Yeah. I mean, he's another, you know, just like just like Tress McNeil, he's another Disney darling. He's another icon of the voice acting world. Dude, um can we talk about Keegan Michael Key? Best. He's in everything.
1: He's the best. I love him. He can be in anything, and I will watch it. But I love him.
0: I Yes, I agree with you. But could we just say for a minute, he's in everything. Like he is working in every project right now in Hollywood. Um, he was the frog coworker, but bro, I was dying with him as the cheesemonger. He was hysterical as the, and I didn't even realize it was him until the credits. I'm like, oh, he was the cheesemonger.
1: Are you guys cops? <laughs> did you, did you watch him? Did you watch him, um, in Schmigadoon on Apple TV plus? I have not watched Schmigadoon yet. So as a, as a Broadway dude, I feel like Schmigadoon might be something you'd really enjoy.
0: I have to get into that. I so, did watch it. Uh, I'm still broken hearted. The Netflix series, friends from college. Uh, I loved that show. It only got two seasons and I'm very depressed because it was one of my favorite shows. And I've gone back and maybe watch for I've watched friends with Cole- friends from college like maybe four or five times cuz i love him so much in it six seasons in a movie i know netflix doesn't care man they just are like yeah we're we're canceling it um you had jim cummings as we said he reprised his role of a i mean like he was so many things in this movie but uh let's talk about seth rogan for a second seth rogan is another treasure of the voice acting world <laughs> <laughs>
1: They made a point to make sure you knew he was a treasure in the voice acting world. That scene is hilarious.
0: (laughs) Dude, I was just going to say, you want to talk about meta humor. They, they obviously wanted to point out what a treasure Seth Rogen is, but he's Bob, the warrior Viking dude. the, the bit centered around bad millennium animation. It's like, he's looking, he's looking right at you, but he's not. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm looking right in your eyes and it's almost like they're, they're ripping on and riffing on like polar express,
1: but they said it, they said the polar express eyes, like they said the exact, like it was the perfect call out of that exact animation style. Why it just didn't work. It was perfect.
0: So funny. So good. He obviously shows up again as himself as Pumbaa later on and has a conversation with himself The cast of this was perfect. Not just Pumbaa,
1: but it was also the Praying Mantis from Kung Fu Panda and Bob from Monsters vs.
0: Aliens. All those Seth Rogen characters. All the Seth Rogen characters came out. Yep, came out in tandem. You know, the cast of this movie is what made it work. I mean, we've all seen those movies that are a hybrid of uh, animation and live action and let's face it there's a lot of films out there and some of them which are make cameos in this that they're just they're cash grabs that they're they're a film that's put up they're usually put into like weak theatrical seasons to grab the audience it's like the smash and grab of hollywood i'm looking at you sonic the hedgehog stuff that does not really do well in longevity but you're let's face it, like as a parent, Brian, you're going to take your kid to see the movie. Right. And it's horrible. Nine times out of ten. These movies are horrible.
1: Hey, I like I like both of the Sonic
0: movies. Oh, man, we have to have a discussion. Those with with uh, what's his name? Jim Carrey. No, not Jim Carrey. Who's th- uh, Richard Martin? James, Mar- James Mar- Martin. James Martin. Marsden. Marsden. Yeah. Cyclops, baby cyclops i i legitimately like
1: the first sonic the second one had a few challenges but i i don't mind sonic i just wish sonic had more teeth
0: my point being is generally speaking the hybrid of animation and live action are not great there's a few yeah. exceptions to that role who framed roger rabbit being the obvious one which gets also gets a cameo in this but there's not a lot of movies that do really well with this They're usually cheap gags. You know, even even the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies, they don't do really well. Like, it's a weird genre. This film, because of how meta it was and almost poking fun of the genre itself, it avoided that stereotype of just being a disastrous movie that tries to combine animation and live action stuff. But the cast is the other thing that I think elevated that that it really elevated it in that genre. And it gave it, it, um, it gave it at the same time. It's hard to explain. And if I'm not making sense, man, just yell at me. It gave it credit and it made it serious enough because of the people that were in it. But at the same time, by poking fun at the genre, it almost removes it from being a part of the genre completely.
1: Correct. Gravitas is, is what it is, what it brought the film, but it was just a bunch of, really creative people having a lot of really creative fun and nobody, not a single person around this film took it seriously. And that's why it's so much fun, including the legal department of Disney and the legal department at other IPs, because that's what made this movie is it was so many more IPs and made it so much part of the entire genre that it was, it was brilliant. Some of the stuff they came up with, they had South park in a Disney plus series, like a a South park character was sitting in a sauna and it was, it was incredible, man.
0: So I want to, I want to bring this up too. I really liked that all of these studios aired their dirty laundry as well. And they poked fun at things that haven't worked. They really had fun with some of their disasters or some of their mistakes They've they embraced some of the suck, but they also embraced some of the toxicity. Case in point, Ugly Sonic. And that was his literal name in the movie. He called himself Ugly Sonic. That it was here, on his
1: it, Comic-Con booth.
0: Yeah. So here's here's like one of the best and funniest moments of the movie is Dale is at like one of these Comic Con conferences as Dale, the former star of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And then Lumiere is in the booth next to him. And then you look across the way and there's ugly Sonic human teeth and all good for that. Good on that studio to embrace
1: exactly like Sonic from the trailer. Yeah, Everything was perfect.
0: Good on that studio to embrace that failure, which they obviously changed course with it, but good on them to kind of acknowledge that and say like, yeah, this may have not been the best idea for us. And they lived in the moment. And because they did that, there were a few instances of this film that they were able to poke fun of Hollywood and the animated side of Hollywood. And it was refreshing and it was really fun and it was really funny. But man, how did Disney pull that off? Like, what? how, how do you pitch that, right? How does legal go to a studio and say, hey, look, we've got an idea. We want to use one of your IPs, but we're going to trash it. give us us permission it's it's incredible like i again
1: yay thank you paramount because that is the funniest joke out of this movie and there was a lot of really funny jokes but having ugly sonic be the informer to the fbi incredible like and then they pull in tigra from the avengers like earth's mighty's weirdos like the whole tigra thing was hilarious too but it honestly made this movie so much better that they didn't lean on so much Disney IP. You would have expected, apparently Lucasfilm said no to a Jar Jar Binks cameo, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, But regardless, like it, it, it's just you, they have to have a sense of humor about themselves. And it turns out that they kind of do sometimes. And that was, that was actually really, really refreshing.
0: Yeah. And the funniest part was the running gag of ugly Sonic as they were trying to interact with him. And then you would get that slow motion of his mouth with the teeth and both chip. And then Dale were like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm sorry.
1: But then those dudes, those two dudes come up and like get the, get the autograph from ugly Sonic. And, and they're like, Oh, see, he's laughing at me. You can't laugh at me if I'm in on the joke too. like fully making fun of himself the entire time. Just how sad comic-con is for some of those like, old celebrities that had their time in the sun. Like, and I had just gone to MegaCon in Orlando like that day. So I was, I very much had comic con on the brain. So man, it was just, it was too funny.
0: All right. So let's do this right now. Like we can, we can continue to talk about our favorites. Very hard to do this, but let's come up with your Rushmore of Easter eggs and cameos from this movie. You are no stranger to Rushmore's, on United we fan. You guys break out the Rushmore's constantly, so let's dust off the Rushmore for you, my friend. As we pick your top four favorite cameos.
1: Okay. Um, I just said it. I don't want to waste the Rushmore on it, but I have to. It was the funniest joke of the film. Ugly Sonic is cameo number one that was just great. Um... Batman versus (laughs) E.T.
0: It's it's so unrealistic. (laughs) Oh, my
1: gosh. Where Chip is looking at Mr. Doubtfire and all these like there's a Waze app, the movie like billboard at some point. But then he goes, he looks at Batman versus E.T. and goes, okay, yeah, that one looks pretty good. And then it like cuts to the scene of Batman versus E.T. And he's crying with his dog, Millie, like laugh out loud, funny. And just Batman, it was straight Justice League BVS, like, so funny. Um, number three, I've got to go. Again, we've already talked about it, but that's Seth Rogen moment. When when you get the praying mantis from Kung Fu Panda and then Bob, who I love Monsters vs. Aliens. I love that film. So when Bob shows up with his blue blob and his, his one eye, like, absolutely cracked me up. And then the fourth one, let's see. Did you see the hamburger helper at the the precinct? That was hilarious. Oh, number four. Let me think on number four. If you want to
0: go. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to join you as much as I would love the diversity of it. Ugly Sonic has to be on the, like he, he has to be on everyone's Mount Rushmore of this movie because sonic the hedgehog who's a beloved icon but the fact that they used ugly sonic teeth and all the gag was perfect the fact that he comes back in the movie and he's an fbi informant he plays such a central role in the in the film later on ugly sonic is on my mount rushmore too all right so i'm gonna cheat a little bit and let me just say my second easter egg is wreck it ralph there's two wreck it ralph moments and i was here for both of them uh, the Wreck-It Ralph reference at the end where the arm of the villain at the end where, you know, Pete kind of has like different like he's got a woody leg from Toy Story. He's got a transformer leg. His one arm is a Wreck-It Ralph arm, and he doesn't even say the catchphrase. He says, I'm going to wreck stuff or I'm going to wreck something. He doesn't say I'm going to wreck it, um, but it sounds just like John uh, John C. Riley at that moment, I didn't see if it was John C. Riley as a, an acting credit. I have to go and check that.
1: I looked. I didn't see it either. They could have definitely just ripped it from the film too. And and I've got my fourth one. If you want me to go,
0: and then the Donut Cops, of course.
1: Oh, I I do Duncan and Winchell. I caught those immediately too. That was so good.
0: Yes, um, I'm surprised that you didn't give me this one because again, it was just so meta. And of course, like. If you're going to pluck an actor from the MCU. Who-
1: this is where I was going.
0: All right. So go ahead, man.
1: My fourth one is Aunt Man. A U N T, Ant Man. He's charming to somebody's aunt. And then in the credits, we get the poster of three ants just fawning <laughs> over Paul Rudd as Aunt Man. That destroyed me. That was so funny.
0: If there was going to, so there would be two actors that I would say 1000% would play ball with a film like this. Chris Evans would definitely be all in. Yeah. The other guy who is probably let's, let's face it. He was probably the one blowing up Andy Samberg's phone being like, dude, you got to get me in this movie. Like you've got to get me in this movie and pitching him on the scene. Like I can totally see Paul Rudd coming up with that improv and that comedy for that moment. But like him talking about in the play on words of not Ant-Man, but Aunt-Man and talking about how like, this is the new, you know, that's what it was going to be him sitting at the Comic-Con booth and signing autographs. And then Chippendale kind of just ruin his, his meet and greet moment. But Paul Rudd, whenever Paul Rudd plays Paul Rudd, like, yes, I'm, I'm here for it. So he's on my my Rushmore too. And then dude, I we've already talked about the Coca-Cola Bear breaking bad, but the Peter Pan moment, did you know? I did not know. The Peter, Peter. Pan moment of The Boy Who Grew Up, the flashback sequence was hysterical. And then not him in the movie, but like the first time he looks in the mirror, and he's got the stubble <laughs> the little mustache, the little mustache. And then because of that, he loses his job. And then he's the one that kind of brainstorms and comes up with the idea of now I can make these bootleg movies and I can make all these films of my choice. Dude, Peter Pan of not just the boy who grew up, but like being jaded and evil and bad. Peter Pan was hysterical. The villains in this movie are what made it so good as well. Like Bob, the warrior Viking, the evil polar bear, the Coca-Cola polar bear, uh, captain putty. Well, it's too on the nose. Like you told me. And then if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like the cop turning bad is a trope. That's been done. How many times, but them poking fun at the trope and then embracing it. And then dude, evil Peter Pan they just the villains worked so well and they were so hyper aware of how bad they were and the fact that they had these like backstories and what made them break bad was just so well done it was so funny
1: did you see the guy dressed up like fat thor at the baloo concert
0: yep you had Fat that Thor. One was, that one was good dude baloo was great um pickle rick was in it. I don't know if you caught, there were a few Rick and Morty references, the animation style of Rick and Morty worked its way in when they were contemplating how they were going to reanimate chip and Dale. Uh, but pickle Rick, it was a blink. If you miss it moment that as
1: Dale talks about, Oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, as they were running through, I think the comic con pickle Rick was one of the, one of the many things that was like running through the, the area, but Really good. It was
1: one of the animation styles when when they were going through after they got scanned and all the all the animation styles were uh, Rick and Morty as well. But when Dale talks about them being like background actors on different shows, and you could see them dancing on the couch in Full House, full house. Like, that was so good too.
0: Yeah, I again, there are. I mean, you said three hundred, but I would think that there's so much more. Um, I loved the Janky Simpsons reference he doesn't say I carumba. He says something else that again, they just embraced. I mean, that one, they can have a little bit of leeway now because they do own the Simpsons and the Simpsons is on Disney plus, but the Simpsons made its way into this. You had Voltron as a child of the eighties. They had a a full on Voltron robot at one point or another dude. I, I like, I thought to myself, I'm like, how do we list all of them? The
1: Frozone frozen meal.
0: The frozen ice age. There was an yeah. ice age in the, uh, the freezer itself. Squidward
1: had a star on the walk of fame. Like these are some, I just had written down that I'm trying to remember them all.
0: So here, here would be the thing that, I mean, just getting into the style of this, this is why this movie is going to have a, a lot of replay value. It's fun to watch. I I've watched it twice and it's fun to watch it again cuz you notice different things you notice different cameos but it really that's what it is i mean it's a fun funny movie it's nostalgia to the max it's if you grew up in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s it's just going to it's really going to be a fun raucous romp through your childhood and and your formative years that you're going to see all of these things that were just so important in your life, kind of come back and flash before your eyes again and really remind you of what it was like to be a kid and to be sitting in front of a television, whether it was with the Disney afternoon or, you know, just watching cartoons on Saturday, it's really going to just reconnect you with a part of your life. And isn't that inherent of what Disney is all about is You forgetting about life for a while, living inside of a bubble and reconnecting with a really good moment in time, whether it's a family trip or a vacation. This is kind of like central to what Disney is all about. This movie is all about bringing you the greatest hits of your childhood in this really fun film. And it was just so well done. Kids will like sitting down with you for a completely different reason. The story is going to hold them. But for you, you're going to enjoy watching it for the nostalgia. And it excels at that
1: 100%. Yep. And then like, and not even all of it's necessarily our childhood. Cause another one I had written down that I'm reading right now is the cats from cats <laughs> living in the Valley. Um, like, because everything they talk about how it's like, it's kind of real life, but not really. And then they had the cats from cats absolutely destroyed me. man. so funny.
0: The seedy underbelly of the animated world. I
1: love mom was on Main Street, USA. <laughs>
0: oh, man. As they're going through on the surface, it looks so wholesome. It looks so good. And then Dale's like, he'll be like, he's an arms dealer. <laughs> it's like going through all <laughs> these like shady things that these cartoon characters are doing. But that also to me, that harkened back to that very same ridiculous style of Roger Rabbit that yep. that's what Roger rabbit did so well is it reframed no pun intended there but it reframed cartoons in a way that it made them a little bit more adult and it added a little bit of adult humor to it to make it palatable for for grown people um Roger Rabbit had a great cameo they were doing the Roger Rabbit with Roger Rabbit you had Paula Abdul With the, uh, what is that? A fox or a wolf for the opposites attract video.
1: Yeah. I think it's a Fox, isn't it?
0: I don't know. It's been a while since I've had any Paula Abdul.
1: (laughs) It's been a few years,
0: been been a minute. (laughs) Most people will associate Paula Abdul with American Idol. And she hasn't been on that show in a long time either. But Most people associate her with American Idol more so than they do with her being a Laker girl or a pop icon of her own right. So cool stuff. Um, What did you think of the remake uh, with the Post Malone remake of the theme song? Did it work for you?
1: It was it was okay. Like, it's funny that the end of the film, they're like, and you can have a song by a current modern day artist that slows it down when all anybody ever wants to hear is the original. And then they start playing the Post Malone version like it was okay, But Dale was right when it was I just want to hear the original. So I definitely listened to the original.
0: As far as remakes go, here's what I will say. We always want to hear the original. But it was very palatable. And I can can listen to it. Here's what I don't like when they do a remake of a song. Is where they try to put too much of their own spin on it. Or they just try to make it so contemporary that it then becomes a radically different take on the song from what it originally was intended. Post Malone, like played it as straight as you can like he kept it pretty true to what the the original piece was and it wasn't too far flung from what we've known with the theme that i can listen to it and go man i pulse malone did a good job of it but that said it's because it is very close to the original all right so uh post credits spoiler <laughs> the dis is the disney afternoon gonna keep on trucking we have jim cummings Reprising his role as darkwing duck at the megacon, booing Chippendale and Dale, <laughs> saying, Darkwing duck, darkwing duck. Are you in for a darkwing duck?
1: I hope so. He was in DuckTales. Um, the he was in at least the last season of DuckTales of the newly rebooted DuckTales, and yeah. it seemed like that was where they were headed. Then they just kind of stopped, and that show was kind of not necessarily canceled prematurely. It just ended quickly. It seemed like it was going to have a lot more legs and then, and then just kind of ended and it ended in a good spot, but it wasn't, it wasn't a cancellation, but it, yeah. So, I mean, it felt like a Darkwing duck one was coming and then it just never did. Uh, and we never got Darkwing duck in the film until that point. No, um, but it was, I mean, it was it, anytime you want to get dangerous. Like I'm in,
0: uh, so my thoughts on this are are a few. Uh, Darkwing Duck might just wind up be becoming like Howard the Duck, where we're just getting, <laughs> just where we're getting just yeah, where you're just getting cameos in the MCU, and we may not ever get a Howard the Duck film, or even like Howard the Duck appearing in some long form fashion, or do any scene work whatsoever. Um, it's very possible that that's just what we're going to get from Darkwing in future stuff. But my my second thought is. And this this is the magic of Disney Plus now, okay? And I, I want to just applaud Disney for the streaming service. Rescue Rangers to me is a movie that I don't think would have worked as well as a theatrical release. No way. I don't think it would have worked as well. I don't think people would have taken it seriously. I think people who would have paid for that experience in excess of 20 to $30 and then the popcorn and the cost of taking a family... I don't think it would have been as beloved as something that is delivered straight to your living room. You can sit on the couch with your kids. You can watch it as much as you want. This release model for Disney with this type of film and this genre, it's so bankable for them because it bolsters, you know, in my mind, it bolsters. Why should I own Disney plus? Because they're putting this level and this caliber of content on the streaming service. But secondly, I think it gives a a movie like this a chance to really thrive and to succeed. Whereas as a theatrical release, it might flop. And I'm here for that. Like I like and I know a lot of people have bashed um, their decision to, to take some Pixar movies and go straight to Disney Plus with them. They're, you know, and people are so mad. It's like, you're not giving Pixar the respect they're due. They deserve a theatrical release, and the fact that you're putting them right direct to Disney Plus. Dude, let me tell you this. Disney Plus is the company's future. More than theatrical release, Disney Plus is the future of this company. So it's high praise for them to be putting stuff directly onto Disney plus it's giving their streaming service so much value and say, we respect this medium so much that we're going to take these flagship IPs and we want to put them right here for everyone to enjoy. But I think that something like this, that could be really iffy in a theater is going to do really well. And so for that reason, like Bravo to Disney for recognizing the space well enough, making this a big drop, and have it be what it is. Because here we are talking about it. I, don't, I wouldn't be talking about this movie if it was in theaters. I'm just being honest.
1: Uh, if it was this good, we might have. But you might not have felt the need to go out. But point case in point to what you're talking about. is Something like Turning Red brings subscriptions. Something like Luca, Soul. Those brought subscriptions. Look at Encanto. Encanto had an okay theatrical release. We knew that theaters were at least still a viable option for some things because it came out around Spider-Man No Way Home. It clearly showed that people were still at least going to the movie theater for something that they felt was worth it. Most people didn't see Encanto. That thing hits Disney+, and it becomes a cultural phenomenon. And that movie was perfect for Disney+. Plus. Because it added value, and everybody it 's still in that trending top five people are watching Encanto over and over and over, and it 's a ninety
0: minute film yep, dude, that is an amazing point. Uh, I think anything you would win any argument with that that Encanto was a good film in the theater, but it wasn 't the phenomenon that it was when it was in the theatrical release it didn 't become a phenomenon until it was released at home. To the masses, to the masses on Disney Plus, dude. And we talk about I this saw with in
1: the theater. Yeah, like I saw it in the theater, and I as was, did I liked it, but I didn't. I like it a lot more now because I've been able to consume it so many extra times.
0: We talk about this on Babu's Freaking Podcast with Star Wars as well. That Disney Plus is the the future of this company. It's the future of Star Wars content. You can see how Marvel has really doubled down on what they're going to be releasing on the medium as well. And I listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. Once they can figure out a way to make it palatable to the, to theaters and whatever, I really think that the future of everything is going to be releases at home and in a theater simultaneously. I think they, they wanted like they
1: black widows. Yep,
0: I think they wanted to do that but I think that because that paradigm is not like, it hasn't shifted yet. And both actors, studios and theaters are, you have decades of behaviors and decades of, uh, and patterns of behavior. That behavior is going to have to change, but I'm telling you, you can see what Disney is starting to do with stuff like this. And they're making a strong case for, you know, for a model like this, that, Hey, you want to have it be in theaters for a week or two, but let's get this thing. Let's get this thing into the hands of masses. Let's get subscriptions. Let's get this content in the hands of kids who are now turning your small film into a cultural phenomenon. Cause they have the ability to watch it like 30 times at home. And the replay that of- imagine,
1: imagine frozen three, if frozen three went straight to, I don't think they, I don't think they would, But if frozen three even had a day and date release where kids can watch frozen three at home, it it's like people hated frozen before. Like it's an absolute game changer. If, if they're, if they're willing to do something like that with, with something of that level to your, you would not have been able to, I, as much as a theater atmosphere of people who really get it, that this movie would have been a lot of fun to watch with a, with a large group of people that really, Got the references, like when Bigfoot showed up from a goofy movie, running out of that, dressed up like Fred Flintstone. Yeah, like people that get it. This movie would have been an absolute blast to see in a theater, but it's not made. This movie's not made for theaters, and it was perfect for my living room.
0: Yeah, this was a perfect film to release right onto Disney Plus. If I had to grade this, I, mean, I can't find
1: a budget for it. I'm looking for it, but I can't find it.
0: If I had to grade this movie, I would say for me, it's a B minus. I mean, I am I gonna watch the movie endlessly? No, but if my daughter wants to watch it, I'll never argue with her and say, like, no. The the references, the pop culture references of it, the nostalgia, the fact that it was really fun, it was funny, it was a very solid movie. But for me, it was like an eighty two. It's like a B minus. Uh
1: looks like the budget was around fifty to sixty million. So perfect not perfect, but a lot better for a a straight to Disney plus streaming.
0: But again, Um, like you said, this kind of thing is going to bring in subscriptions and it's a feather in their cap. It looks really good. It's a, it's a big intellectual property that people are going to likely buy Disney plus for a movie like this.
1: People. Yeah. Like Sonic ugly. Sonic is trending on Twitter. People asking Paramount to make an ugly Sonic like TV series. Like it's hilarious. 82 to, 82 is too low for me personally. Part of the reason I watch a lot of this is I simply want to be entertained and I can't tell you the last time I was that kind of entertained for a long stretch for the entire it was an it was a 90 minute easter egg hunt. Yep. And it was so so much fun. I would definitely give it a low A. Like I I said on Facebook like greatest movie of all time? Maybe. Like obviously I say that tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah. This movie is far from Perfect, but that's what makes it perfect. Like I legitimately love this movie and I can't wait to watch it again. I didn't get a second rewatch in before this podcast. So um, I, I, I legitimately cannot wait to watch it again, but I'm not going to watch it. Like I do WandaVision, Like I'll give you that, yeah. but like I would give it an a just out of a sheer entertainment standpoint. And I think I'm going to see something new every single time I watch it.
0: Well, you and I are also fans of meta humor. We talk Correct. about, we talk about community constantly, Did you see
1: Dobby the elf dressed up as a Gucci
0: model? I did. This is, this is the stuff that's in our wheelhouse that like we're fans, diehard fans of community, which man, when you, when you guys finally have a United we fan of community, if I'm not asked to be on that podcast episode, I will be very hurt by that.
1: Don't worry. Whenever (laughs) Community happens, we need to start getting United we fan going again. I
0: I will be very hurt if I'm not a part of that, but listen this is a great movie we absolutely love it it gets our stamp of approval um i thank you one thank you tell everybody where they can find you again whether you're talking about community or whatever the project is where can we find you one more time brian
1: i was wondering why it was sounding like you were wrapping this up this was the fastest one hour podcast i've ever done it went Uh, fast didn't it Let's see. You asked me, okay. So United we fan is still available anywhere you find your podcast right now. That podcast is still on a hiatus, um, return date TBD. Um, everything else, nerd life network, youtube.com slash nerd net. You can find Sunday nights, Babu's fricking podcast where we have a brand new episode talking a preview of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, that's a episode. All three of us are very, very proud of. Yes. Monday nights, uh, earth's Mightiest weirdos, Um, we were supposed to do a, um, family feud this past Monday, but we're actually having to postpone that episode because I actually get to go to a playoff hockey game in St. Louis to watch the Colorado avalanche. I'm very excited about that. Um, but that's Monday nights for earth's mightiest weirdos Tuesdays. We've got comics and cinema with Alex Klein Wednesdays agents of field, which is a a sports podcast with a nerdy twist. And then on Thursday nights, we have the nerdy girls after dark talking about everything from a female perspective. So lots of fun at the nerd life network.
0: Yeah, go ahead, go and check them out over on YouTube Nerdlife Net. Uh we always love hanging out and uh thank you man for sitting down. That was the fastest hour.
1: Seriously. Like I just kept looking at my notes of cameos I had written down and uh just kept going.
0: <laughs> we we could uh, and we could, we could honestly talk endlessly about these cameos, but ultimately listen, go and go and watch for yourself. Go and watch again for yourself. The movie has a tremendous amount of replay value. We will see you here next week with a trip report where I get to talk about my incredible trip out west to Disneyland. Uh, We will. uh, Mike and Greg are actually going to be taking over this live for me while I'm out there. But fear not, folks, we will have content for you in droves when we return from disneyland california but until next time ladies and gentlemen we hope the rest of this week is filled with faith trust and pixie dust we'll see you real soon bye everybody this Dislike podcast is brought to you by the happiness is addictive collection Happiness is Addictive is passionate about spreading laughter and creating smiles worldwide. They love bringing their global community together through optimism, cheer, hopefulness, merriment, and celebrating life's magical moments. They know how important it is to celebrate life's adventures, and their apparel will give you everlasting, one-of-a-kind memories through pixie-dusted family photos, compliments from park guests, and magical moments with cast members. They pride themselves on high-quality, custom-made apparel at competitive prices with world-class service. Let them help you create a lifetime of memories whether you're Disney bounding, kicking it poolside, participating in run Disney marathons, having costumed adventures, or just living your best Disney life. You can find their Happiness is Addictive shop on Etsy. You can also find them on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Pinterest. They are proud to be featured in Indie Central Florida, the Thoughtful Gift Club, and now here on Life Podcast. Their collection was founded by a 15-year former cast member who knows how to enhance your magical moments for a lifetime of memories with your family. Don't forget to use promo code DizLife15 to take an extra 15% off. What are you waiting for? Head over to Etsy and start getting happy today. Follow the link in our show notes and you'll find out for yourself that happiness is addictive.